Hello, and welcome to the IC Tech Talks podcast, part of the IC's CPD program. I'm James Crumley, a knowledge manager here at the ICE. In this episode, we are looking at active travel, how engineers can promote better designs, and the implications for transportation in our built environments. To explore this topic, I have two great guests joining me. Helen Littler, Principal Engineer at WSP, and Will Haynes, Infrastructure Director at Sustrans. Helen, do you want to say hello and tell us a bit about, about yourself? Hello, yeah, my name's uh, Helen Littler. I'm in the Liverpool Places team at uh, WSP, designing at travel schemes and public realm schemes. I'm also the chair of the Walking and Cycling Knowledge Network and a member of the Transport Mobility Cap. Thank you, Helen. Will, uh, same to you. Tell us a bit about yourself and, and say hello. Hello, um, my name's Will Haynes. I'm the Infrastructure Director at Sustrans. Um, Sustrans is the charity that's making it easier for people to walk and cycle. My background is in highway engineering, um, and I've got um, over 20 years of experience in the delivery of, of infrastructure projects. Eight years ago, I joined Sustrans, and my role at Sustrans now is about uh, primarily leading our oversight of our design and engineering activity, involves providing technical assurance, advice, design guidance, delivering trainings and equipping our teams um, to deliver the, the projects that we, we do um, in the walking and cycling area. I also sit on the Department of Transport, Cycling and Walking Infrastructure Group. Thank you very much, Will. So uh, I guess, well, we'll stay with you, Will, to sort of start. Can you, uh, I guess, tell us what uh, what does active travel sort of mean to you and uh, I guess why, why we should all be talking and thinking about it more? Yes, well, active travel can be thought of as being um, travel and transport by physically active human-powered modes as opposed to motorised ones, and, and largely for functional reasons. It's often described as walking and cycling, walking, cycling and wheeling. Um, it's about moving around um, under, our own, under our own power. Why is it so important? You've only got to look at, uh, at the news and see, see the climate emergency, see the health issues, air quality issues even um, very, very currently pressure on people's incomes. And, and they all point towards active travellers being being a really sensible and really valuable thing that we, we need to be changing the way we travel around in, in our daily lives. Uh, so many of our journeys are short and, and so many of those journeys are, are currently made by car. And transport, particularly motorised transport, is a, is a significant contributor to greenhouse gas emissions. Um, and therefore, if, if more people were able to walk and cycle, um, for those short journeys, uh, we could have massive impacts on on the greenhouse gas emissions and, and the benefits that would come from that. Not to mention the, the wider health benefits and, and so on to ourselves and to society. Thank you, Will. And Helen, I guess for you, the taking that sort of further for, for engineers, you know, I guess this is sort of all rings true and is very important for them. But I guess what what more is there sort of in terms of a desire and need for engineers to be thinking about active travel and uh, building it, I guess, into their work designs. Uh, our assets. Yes, it's it's really important um, that active travel is considered because it's uh, accessible by everyone. Everyone can travel by an active mode, whereas not everyone can drive or can afford to drive. Um, but from a purely uh, you know engineer point of view, you can fit a lot more pedestrians and cyclists into a space than you can cars. Cars take up a lot of space. Uh, a lot of our schemes we're trying to retrofit to the existing network, so you've already got houses built. So you can fit a lot more cyclists in a space. So um, in some of the routes in London, you can move 46% of the people in only 30% of the road space. So you get a lot more bang for your buck for engineers. And where we're trying to fix congestion problems in cities, 
cycling and walking really is the way forward um, for getting people around in our ever more congested cities. And Will, the, you know, we talk about how it's, you know, sort of, I guess, I don't want to say the flavour of the day, that's probably a bit uh, mean, but uh, there's a lot more national and local and devolved attention on this at the moment as well. Are, are you seeing any, I guess, impact of a lot of that talk and rhetoric and perhaps some funds as well uh, in that area? And Or is this perhaps something that's having a greater impact at the local level, you know, in, in individual cities, towns uh, across the UK? I think there, there, there's both. It, it's a priority at, at government level and, and the transport being devolved, it's, it's a priority at, at um, sort of in, in all the devolved administrations. Within England, there was the, the publication of Gear Change um, in 2020, which which marked a significant step up, if you like, in, in ambition around delivering walking and cycling. The investment, I think, the, the funding has, has still to follow on. There, there, there is more funding, but there, there needs to be a lot more. Looking at, at, at Wales, very progressive policies around around that to travel and, and generally around the way we travel. So they have a sort of an integrated or the, the, the transport strategy that looks at transport in the round and, and looks at, at where active travel can be playing its role. Scotland similarly have a very integrated approach. Looking more locally, um, you can see places around um, around the country where there is that strong political leadership and is that is driving change. Manchester would be a, a, a good example of, of there. Again, it's about integrating um, walking and cycling with with public transports, and so the B network there is, is looking to do that. So I think it it is about political leadership. If, if that's not not moving away from your question, but it needs that political leadership, and where that political leadership is is happening, I think we're starting to see change. And out of interest, have you has has I guess has COVID sort of had an impact on that desire within government, national, local, devolved, to sort of drive this, or is this I guess happening? Was this happening already, and will continue to happen already because of you know climate change? I guess especially as something. You know, many governments and are, are thinking and acting on very strongly at the moment. Probably, um, I, th- I think what what COVID's done it, it it's it, it it's done a few things. One, I think we we, we focus more on, on activity. Right back in in the, in the first lockdown, we, we we were only allowed to do activity and, and physical activity. So that that was that was possibly thing. There there is an issue around public transport and the fact that that people have, have moved away from public transport and and that's obviously very detrimental because they've moved from public transport into into the private car so that may be acting as a an, an impetus to to get people out of the cars and, and active travel is, is a solution for that i think that the, the climate change is obviously that that was there before and it, it, it's still with us and so that that's probably that that, that agenda is, is probably going to be and 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 obviously the health agenda as well which is it's ongoing helen i guess coming into you well, I guess from from your perspective, you know, what what does a, a good active travel sort of project look like um, uh, for you? A good active travel project is a, cons- a consistent level of provision. So you've got the same type of uh, provision for cyclists or pedestrians continuing along the whole scheme. So you're not having you're not mixing up between cyclists having to be on road, having to be off road, having to cross the road. You know, when you're walking and cycling, you just want to travel. Um, wonders of walking and cycling as you don't you know unlike driving um you can just you know think about your day think about um you know what you're gonna have for dinner listen to some music if you're walking so it needs to be consistent it needs to be high enough level that you feel protected so if you're on a cycle route you want to have enough protection to feel safe and secure when you're going along um that you're not having to constantly look out for other traffic um checking around you because it's it's actually quite stressful 
Um, we want walking in Suckland to be an enjoyable experience. So good provision uh, that continues from A to B that gets you where you need to go. You're not going to have to suddenly find yourself suddenly stranded, having to cross a scary road. Um, and you don't have to dismount if you're on a bike because one thing that LTM 120 brought in was this concept of the the bigger design cycle vehicle. So you're thinking about trikes, you're thinking about hand cycles, etc., which opens up cycling to many more people. So we want infrastructure design that people can stay on their bike, they can press a button, they can be detected, they can, you know, they can continue along without worry. But also the other thing, it needs to be well maintained <laughs> during COVID. Um, unfortunately, my mum had a fall um, tripping over a paving slab because of the lack of maintenance, because we get things like cars parking on on footways. Um, so it needs to be needs to be that high level of standard and looked after. So that's one of the next step. If we get an investment in cycling and walking, but we need that investment in maintaining the infrastructure to keep it at that good level so it's usable by all. And, it, and this is something you feel sort of, at, you know, wider transportation highways engineers are becoming more aware of and starting to listen to? Was it? Is it still... I guess, do they still need to be persuaded uh, and discuss with it? What, what's your feeling? Yes, it's a, it's, it's a massive step change for local authorities. So the government have brought out funding called um, Transforming Cities Fund. So a lot of funding you know, uh, the local authorities is is coming or has, has arrived and they've got quite a short period to implement this. And it's such a step change. Um, in some authorities, it, you know, the car is still seen as king to take capacity away from from uh, from cars is unthinkable, and it's still, the cars are still associated with economic benefit. So it's a yeah, it's a it's a real a real step change to get that change of mindset for for the local government, for the engineers as well, to make things less good for driving, <laughs> tighten up junctions. You know those type of things we need to do to make it better for people walking um, and cycling. You know, taking out parking, preventing people from parking on footways. Um, is a major issue so it's going to take a big step change and it's great that gear change has boris johnson's um forward in it the the, the guidance has come from from you know, the highest point which is really good to give that support level of support to authorities making that change will does that sort of echo yeah with you yes yeah, so i think um that the, the step change that helen talks about is key and it's it's a step change in the way that's that we design streets, we design uh, places. And I think it's too long. Streets have been designed around vehicles, and and yeah, it's the capacity thing. How many cars can we get through a space, a junction? And and really, active travel is is about designing streets that are people centred, um, that that work around people, and their needs. And and yeah, so so again with the with the um, the congestion point that, that Helen mentioned earlier, it, it's it's thinking about the most efficient way of moving people around. And Helen said that that invariably isn't the private car. In, in dense urban areas. So yeah, massive step change in in how we approach the design of, of infrastructure for the, the streets and, and people there. And Will, you said uh, you know the word place and sort of placemaking, I guess is another thing that's talked a lot about certainly you know, by by local authorities and by developers sort of at the moment. I guess what do you see is that sort of relationship between active travel and and placemaking? And it, I guess are we are we getting placemaking right, you know, um, at the moment? How would you say? Um, I'd, I'd probably caveat this by saying I'm, I'm not an urban designer and, and <laughs> I'm, I'm a, a civil engineer through and through, so um, you can draw your conclusions from that. But um, at a, a very basic level, um, it, I think it's thinking about someone who's, who's walking and cycling or wheeling. They're far more exposed to the environment in which they're in. They're not they're not in a car with with warm heating and, and 
whatever that was on the radio. So the function, uh, the, the place function of a street, as opposed to the movement function, may may well become more important than someone travelling within within a vehicle. And so therefore, it is about creating streets that are attractive, that people want to spend time in, they want to travel through, and they want to spend money in, and so on. So I think that that's where placemaking, to my understanding, comes in to the picture around active travel. And you mentioned well around. Uh, you mentioned Manchester earlier as well. Is is this something? I guess is there anything specific that Manchester are getting right at the moment with sort of active travel and and or sort of place in this sense? Um, I think on one level it's about the quality of, of uh, sort of the. the if, if you take a um, a protected cycle track, you you could achieve that with 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 very cheap quality. Um, aesthetically um for materials you can do it with 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 high quality materials and and really make it a feature of the of the street rather than something that's just kind of forced into the into the street um and so the summer some of the infrastructure is is good um in terms of that regard um as as with everywhere other, other bits are done, done on tighter budgets and and um are, are less good so I think it, it, it's about it's about quality of both of both of the actual what's provided, but the way in which it's provided and way it's, way in which it's integrated into the streets. And Helen, coming back to you on that on the aspect around placemaking and and active travel, I guess is it something from you you're seeing? I guess with your work that these are sort of ideas that are coming together at all, or is are they not quite getting matched up as they they could and should? Yeah, we we do a lot of work with, well, I do a lot of work with my land, landscape architects at WSP and we're working a lot more collaboratively to discuss each each other's needs because it, sometimes it's just choices of materials can make a big difference. During lockdown, I've been, been at home with my husband, he's a graphic designer, so I've been learning about tonal difference in terms of accessibility of things to making sure that the colours used in your in your placemaking scheme, there's enough difference in their colour so people with some, some level of vision can see them because otherwise people will you know they won't be able to define bollards etc and things like bollards themselves actually you know they're less less attractive but ones made of plastic are much better if you if you have a fall etc and thinking about okay yes this does look a lot better this metal bollard looks lovely but actually what happens if someone hits it those those type of things so it's it's that balance of form versus versus function to make sure the space is still usable it looks nice but also um everyone can navigate through it not just just not for the people sitting in it and i guess developing that point further around i guess thinking about inclusivity and sort of safer sort of safer transport you know i guess how how, how is that sort of coming into to the conversation as well and perhaps developing projects or designs further Yes, yeah, that's been um, some schemes been a bit of an issue thinking about how we can make spaces feel safer. So having to think about you know, CCTV, but we'll make it space overlook. So use of materials so um, people can be seen. It's a real, especially after Sarah Everard case, you know, it's actually quite a hot topic. And that's really put it into the foreground uh, for local authorities as well. So that's really brought, you know, people are really more aware of it and think about how we design that into a scheme. And I think there's a wider piece about you know our design of infrastructure being uh, you know, civil engineers predominantly male that we need to design space for all so i you know not to slate my local authority but you know putting cycle routes through the local local park that's great during the day but the evening times it's not usable if you're female because you feel unsafe there's no natural surveillance so thinking about spaces and making sure that 
people are involved, lots of local lots of local groups will happily uh, give you their advice. So we've we've shown designs to the local visually impaired group to check you know, to see how it, how it appears to how it, you know, how it appears to them, and you know, does this space work for you rather than go to our own assumptions? Will sort of same to you. Sort of, I guess, how are you seeing uh, that inclusive inclusivity's as angle um, increase the sort of changing, I guess, approaches to to active travel or transportation generally? Yeah, but definitely very much on the agenda, and, and I think we are making making steps in the right direction on this. I, I think to Helen's Helen's last point, it's so important that engineers, designers recognize their potentially limited lived experiences myself yeah very limited lived experiences very privileged lived experiences um, and i need to be aware of that as a weakness when i come to design something and and what do i do about that rather than make assumptions i need to go and talk to people i need to build the diversity of my teams so that those lived experiences are in in that in that design team or or they're being brought in from from others because um we've got it we got it quite wrong in a lot of other cases in the past, and we need to address that. Particularly, um, yeah, that, that's a really good example that Helen cited of of, of a route through a park. Um, yeah, probably quite pleasant in the daytime, um, but yeah, when, once it gets dark, uh, becomes inaccessible to to a lot of people, and so that isn't inclusive infrastructure, even if it's physically accessible because there's no barriers and, and it's wide and, and so on. But it's it's not inclusive. So yeah, I think there's a lot of good discussion around it. Um, but again, it comes back to this this sort of step change that we we need to to see and we need to, to bring about in in how we go about designing things. And still with you well, on um, Helen's point around, you know, I, I guess speaking to groups that we haven't spoken to before, you know, and incorporate them into the design consultation process. Um, is that something that I guess at Sustrans is, I guess, a bigger bigger thing you see going forward, and or something perhaps that already is, you know, shaping I guess how you're approaching approaching things. Um, yes, it's definitely core to the way we we would look to deliver projects is is to um, engage very very well with with stakeholders and and the, a very wide range of stakeholders. Thinking about those people, those groups of people who we we've, we've we've not always listened to in the past, and it's challenging. It it takes time. Um, it, it needs that investment up front in a, in the development of the project. It's also that there are, there are. The retentions so you can talk to, to a range of, of different people who are going to be using using the space and they'll have different needs and those needs may actually be in conflict with each other um and so it 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 then then requires working through those differences and and trying to find the common ground but i think it's, it's key that people feel listened to and the reasons for, for the decisions being made are explained to people particularly when they will cause some problems so so that they they, they have brought in the journey this might be heresy as, a, as an engineer to say this. There, there are some problems out there, challenges out there, which may not be solvable by physical solutions. Um, and so we, we, we've got to we've got to work with people to find that common ground and, and find the the best solution or the least worst solution um, in some cases because of those tensions. Helen, you nodded along, so I'm guessing you don't think Will's committed heresy then on the, on that front. No, I think we found. I think I found good consultation on schemes. It's it's also getting the the quiet people to to speak up. We get a lot of dominance of cycle forums and some very some very strong opinions, but it's getting the the Joe public as well, um, because a lot of the people members of the cycle forums are very good cyclists, very confident cyclists. So what feels safe to them or what they want is very different to actually people we want to start cycling. 
So whilst they want routes that go go fast, they can go fast on, others just want to get to where they need to go safely. <laughs> um, it, it's very difficult. And I think there's a bit of a, I feel like a bit of a shift change that people feel a bit more able to question uh, expertise as well, which is very challenging. Um, yeah, even yeah, it's it, it's it's. I find it very yeah. I find it. I find it very. It's been a very challenging thing during lockdown, doing some of the stakeholder engagement, and yeah, ment- mentally tough as well. Actually, I think that's been quite a challenge because people yeah, people are very. It's a very emotive subject. Yeah. Well, trying to be, I'm going to hope this is a positive one to go with. But you know, Helen, if we're sitting here having a podcast again in ten years' time, what do you sort of hope? you know has will have changed over that sort of decade or or what or what active travel uh, through our towns and cities will look like uh, what do, what what would you hope hope to see um i think i'd hope to see more removal of cars from the highway network so more areas of pedestrianisation or bus only spaces within our towns you know, within our cities that the car isn't isn't king so much that you 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 do have areas of cities but like Paris is going for you know where cars can't come in and there's a, a massive shift change that we aren't so beholden to the car in our in our cities and that there is a better emphasis put on accessibility by walking and cycling and when we're doing traffic models etc you know that can be included to demonstrate the worth of the capacity reduction because it seems as every time you increase capacity, that capacity gets taken up. So it's pointless doing it. <laughs> Increasing capacity for cars, increased capacity for cycle, that's yeah. not sustainable. <laughs> um, so that's what I, I hope to see. And I haven't, you know, I have seen that across my career. There is a big change. Will, what, what, what would you like to see, uh, you know, sitting sitting here in 10 years' time, what, what would you like to have seen changed? I think it's about about the convenience. So it's about when, when, you, when you sort of you decide, I want to go to wherever I want to go to, the easiest option isn't to get in the car that's sat on my drive. The, the easiest option is to to get on my bike because either because it's 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 close by or either because there's the infrastructure in there in place because that 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 dominance of, of the, the the way that our streets currently dominated by the motor traffic um, that 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 is addressed um, so that yeah people do have a genuine not not even a, I mean it is about choice but it, but it, but that choice is so obvious that, that it, it's not a difficult choice to to to, to cycle or to walk way into no, thank you so we're, we're just about out of time but i guess one quick question to you both to sort of finish uh if we start with you will um you know what's the one thing you want listeners to sort of take away from i guess what they've heard today you know to go to go back to their jobs what what, what, what would you like them to change to think about to discuss with colleagues i, I think the, the one thing would be that point that it it's about people and it's about making it easier for people to walk and cycle or wheel and therefore we need to be designing designing infrastructure around people and not not vehicles and and understanding therefore to do that we need to understand better understand the needs of, of people um and and what what is what is preventing them from from traveling actively thank you and helen what would you like to tell people to take away and do think yeah i think my my takeaway is a similar theme so you know try and see the spaces you're designing from other people's perspectives so either ask them or think about actually how would I feel about close family members using this space? You know, an elderly relative, you know, would I feel safe? Could you get a double buggy through? You know, thinking about actually the, the design vehicles we're now, we've got to design for now, the bigger bikes. Does this fit? Does this work? What, what happens if they encounter this? 
design better spaces. Thank you. Well, that's all we have time for today. So thank you to Helen and Will for joining us and sharing your thoughts. You can learn more about this topic and find more podcasts, videos and other resources on the ICE Knowledge Hub, which you can access via ice.org.uk. New content will be launched most Thursdays this year, so do keep a lookout. This has been the ICE Tech Talks podcast, and I've been your host and producer, James Crumley. We hope that you can join us again soon. Goodbye.